0: We as a community here, not as a company, should do as much as possible here to like kind of explain our social contract first and to help them adapt to our platform.
1: Couchbase is an enterprise-class, multi-cloud-to-edge, NoSQL database, architected on top of an open-source foundation. It's unique because it was formed by the collision of two ideas from different original projects. Couchbase combines a memory-first design built for high performance with a SQL-friendly query language called Nickel that accesses key values in JSON documents for flexibility. It's easy for developers to use, supports mobile development, and offers SDKs for Java, .NET, JavaScript, Go, and Python. Try out their online Nickel query tutorial to see how easy it is to get JSON data back from a select statement. Try a query at couchbase.com slash tutorial. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. Sarah, you brought on a great guest today. You want to introduce?
2: I did. I want to welcome from our very own community team, Nick Chabanovsky, who is coming to us from St. Petersburg, here today to talk about the Stack Overflow community in Russian and also Jupyter Notebooks.
1: Awesome. Welcome, Nick.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me.
2: So, Nick, it would be great, I think, for the listeners to hear your story, how you joined the team, what you are working on, and how you joined Stack Overflow.
0: Oh, it's a, a very interesting and long story. It took me 10 years, actually, because this this year Stack Overflow in Russian turns 10 years.
1: Amazing. Happy so, birthday.
0: Yeah, it's such a great anniversary. <laughs> thank you. So, yeah, 10 years ago, I was a student and I was working at Matarola as a developer and it was kind of you know when you come to work and you are a really small part of a really big machine, and not that much you can do and I found a lot of friends who felt the same way, and we got our small club of people who sit in a cafeteria and talk about different technologies. We were trying to create different projects, small projects, for example, that time, Google Home just appeared, and there was like a few Google home. Store applications, and we created a small Sudoku, and it was something like less than five hundred app in the Google Home Store at wow. that time. Yeah, and when we were googling different things, we all the time found them on Stack Overflow. So actually, Stack Overflow ten years ago, it was the place where one could find all new things. Like all the information about new technologies, like Mm. WPF, Android, all the new web technologies like GWT and others, at that time there was a big problem. So when you try to find something and you find that, it was so hard to find it again. So usually you just document either the query, that how you found that, or the solution. And Mm -hmm. we did the second. We actually stored on our local files a lot of different answers to our questions. And then one day we decided, hey, we have nothing to do over the weekend. Let us do Stack Overflow. And actually, this is how it started. We decided to find an open source engine and then just put all our uh, local, kind of local, really local, like which was on our local base, sorry, disk, our knowledge bases on the internet to share with each other and the world. So yeah, this is how Stack Overflow started.
2: This is in Russian, right? So that was the need you were solving is because everything was in English. Yeah,
0: exactly. So we created a bunch of cool information and launched an open source version of Stack Overflow. It, yeah, it was called Open Source Question and Answers. It was such a project.
2: And so that you started that up and made that a resource in Russia, correct?
0: Yes, correct.
2: And how did that turn into joining the Stack Overflow team?
0: Oh, it's another story. So actually we were young and dumb. So, and we thought, like, hey, we can, like, somebody in the US could do this. Why we cannot? And we decided to work on this as a business. And actually, I was kind of almost graduating, and there was nothing that I was losing because at that time, Motorola kind of experienced bad times. It was divided into Motorola, Motorola Mobility, and a lot of different departments. A lot of people were fired at that time, even in Russia, in our software center. And I decided just to left Motorola and start working on this as uh, like a full-time job. And I did this for two years. And over two years, we actually launched 10 different communities. And we launched a site like stackitchange.com, which was called Cezan.ru. And we even cloned <laughs> and launched Stack Overflow Careers. If you might remember, careers don't buy. Yeah. And the most fascinating, it was written in Go. Just, oh. just to reference, right now everyone knows Go, and Go is popular. Yeah. Ten years ago, it was something like r six, revision six on GitHub.
2: Yeah, so early in the Go lifecycle.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no uh, release, even the first release of of the language. Where did you get support? Uh, f- Google for- forums, I think that time. Plus, of course, Stack Overflow. Yeah. And actually, Go worked very well, th- even that time.
2: Yeah,
1: you were competing with Stack Overflow. Did they ever reach out and tell you to stop? Did you get any legal? Did we try to sue you before you joined <laughs> us? What, what what was happening there?
0: You no, know, the, the most horrible part. I uh, once I was banned by suspended by IP address from Stack Overflow.
1: Whoa, <laughs> no! For son and yes. Angrata.
0: Yeah, it was just funny story. I was uh, researching how Stack Overflow career works and pressed some button, and for that I got suspension. But in general, no. I mean, there are a lot of people who don't speak English all around the world, and I don't think that Stack Overflow in Russian and Hashcode actually it was the name of the project ever compete with Stack Overflow. I mean, in like this sense, because like people just need some information. The more information available, the better. So we just, in addition to Stack Overflow, not a right. replacement of that.
1: Regionalizing it seems acceptable because like, you know, yeah, we're not competing if we can't offer in that language. Yeah. And so how did you make the jump from doing your own competitors and your own stuff to actually coming to work for us? Okay, walk us through
0: the end of that. So when we were working on this uh, side as a business, we needed money as any business and because uh, at that time at the company there were like a few people mostly freelancer who helped me with different stuff i was the only one who was responsible for sales and i started selling and i I read a very interesting book how to sell advertisement on local (laughs) newspaper i find a lot of advice that were like so useful and you can project them to online advertisement and i started selling and i think i got a very a good sense and kind of good approach how to sell things to people. And one day when I needed to sell the company, I just contacted John Spolsky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the whole story. I just mail him. Yeah. Not one time, a lot of times.
2: Oh, that's so great. And then what happened? So you emailed him and did he write, he brought you back? Uh,
0: nope. <laughs> 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 so then I email again, then again. And one day I got an answer which says, no, thank you. And then I contacted them again. (laughs) So, yeah, this is how it goes.
2: And so finally, after contacting people a bunch, were they like, okay, actually... Yeah,
0: this is just coincidence. Just coincidence. Because, I mean, at the beginning, when I started contacting them, StackerFlow didn't plan to launch any international sites. This was the plan, like uh, vision for the company. But then the vision changed and uh, StackRaflow launched Stackerflow in Portuguese. And I think there, again, uh, when we just talk about business, like what's the most important value of any business? And the answer is people. And I said, no, at that time, it was very hard to find Spanish-speaking community manager who speaks like English and Spanish for Stackerflow in Spanish. And when I contacted, so they decided like, why not? We have already launched community. We have a a person who can grow them and why not? So one of the response was, hey, contact please uh, Jay Hanlon. And this is how it started.
2: That's great. So I invited you on because I wanted to talk about how you've been teaching me about Jupyter Notebooks and how cool they are. <laughs>
0: yeah, thank you. I mean. Technology fascinates me. I mean, it's something incredible and it's, I used to be a developer.
2: I think you're still a developer, but maybe you mean like a professional yeah, developer. Uh,
0: for, I, I think I'm still an engineer. So when I was working as software developer, I used to work on their different embedded system. Yeah, I was working on Motorola Scepterbooks and for LG Electronics, I was working on their operation system and there are a lot of limitations like what you can do with set to box for example you build an image of yours like operation system then you need to debug that and something like five even five years ago all what we could do is just to set up a lot of printfs and just see what the log is like this is how people debug their code on embedded devices hmm. and here like when i started like doing some data analysis i found Jupyter notebooks And it's like at the beginning, like a few years ago, when I just started, what I did, I launched a small Flask application in Python, did some front-end that helped me to display some graph, and back-end that helped, like, did all the logic. And it was so hard because it took that much time to serialize, deserialize all this data. And finally, I found uh, Jupyter Notebooks that do all this stuff for you.
2: Some listeners might not know what a Jupyter Notebook is, so... Uh, can you explain what a Jupyter yeah, Notebook uh, is?
0: Jupyter Notebook is a environment that allows you to do exploratory data analysis, like live. So you just type something on a web page and it displays the output.
2: What I really love about it and what I've really enjoyed learning about is something that I find often, especially when I'm doing a presentation or like a document where I'm trying to do some product work or c- convince folks of something, I often have to leave the document to go to Excel or to Google Sheets, and I have to make a graph there and do all the work and the math, and then I have to copy and paste that into my document. And sometimes it'll link, sometimes it won't, so I can't really update it live. But it, the really neat thing about um, Jupyter Notebooks is that it's all—it's both a, like, you, you can treat it like a Word document, but it also, you can just plop in queries and graphs and data sets and have something really attractive that you can hand off to people and, um, and show them. You've been doing some really neat stuff with Stack Overflow data on Jupyter Notebooks. It's an easy way to consume Yeah, it.
0: Actually, I, I think Jupyter Notebooks, they are a great addition to our day-to-day work. For example, you have a database and you can query this database and you need to do something. And as you mentioned, their like previous approach was to just upload this data to Excel. And do some work there. Yep. Uh, but for me, as for a developer, I mean, Excel is a big, great right? area. <laughs> it's very easier to find a <laughs> function yeah. for your, like a Python, how to do this like correlation or like how to route the, this graph. It's way easier for me to like, to find the real function that does it for you than to find like some button somewhere on Excel. So yeah.
1: What kind of uh, stuff have you been messing around with from Stack Overflow data? What kind of stuff are you interested in visualizing?
0: Oh, thank you for this question. I think it's a a very interesting topic to talk. So basically Stack Overflow is huge. And uh, behind stands a big thing like psychology. And we have a lot of psychology theories, but they are just theories. And they were developed like 40 years ago. And they are great. And what's the most like fascinating about Stack Overflow nowadays is that you can test your hypothesis, social hypothesis on data. And we are very lucky to work for this company, because we have access to this data, and we can just say, hey, this is a social hypothesis, how it should be. Is it true for our data? Is it true for our side and how it looks? For example, all the time I was thinking that, hey, what a great leader does. Probably a great leader leads the community. In other words, post a lot of motivation posts and help, like convince others to follow some of the direction. And then mm-hmm. I took a look at the data on Stack Overflow, Meta, and uh, Meta Stack Exchange. And I mean, we all know our great leaders uh, on our Metas. It's Shog, it's Team. And Jeff and few others, and actually, I looked at their like question and answers, and I realized that most what they posted were answers, not questions. It's it's fascinating that like the leadership actually comes through the answers and assistance, not mm. they like uh, telling yeah. others what they should do. Yeah. this is what. I do it with
2: data. Yeah, it's been really neat. You've been doing your data Fridays. What have you called
0: yeah, them? D- data days. Yeah.
2: <laughs> data days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nixon doing data days and digging into the Stack Overflow data and finding out interesting things about our power users. So users that have 2,000 rep mm. and over, finding out the things that they do the most. Uh, one thing we've been trying to figure out is what indicates like what metrics indicate happiness and satisfaction of our power users, which has been really interesting. One thing that I have really enjoyed about it is there's never an easy answer, yep. right? It's never like, oh, it turns out that the more answers you see a month, the happier people are. Um, so Nick's been iterating on that and we've been getting closer and closer. And today we had a meeting about yeah. <laughs> um, so he's He's been really digging into how folks with over 2,000 rep what downvotes mean to them. So that's been really interesting. And Nick, do you wanna say some of the things that you've learned?
0: Yeah, so people do downvote. <laughs> and yeah, this yeah. is what we learned in general that a lot of people downvote. And actually it's very interesting how our, like we have different types of activities. For example, questions, answers, edits, comments, and downvotes or upvotes. And it's very interesting that we have different leaders in each of those groups. And we have different distributions among the group. In some groups, there are like a very narrow re- leaders, for example, in downvotes. And actually, a lot of downvotes on Stack Overflow were cast just by a small group. For example, I-, I think if I recall it correctly, something like 600 plus users casted 70% of whole downvotes on Stack Overflow for the last nine months. This is- fascinates me. And I really like that Sarah suggested to read a book on polarity management and it helps us understand how people see their contribution because like for example a person who asks a question and then gets a downvote they think that they might be mistreated but the person who cast a downvote they think that they help to improve the system and they think that they cast this downvote as feedback for the person who asked a question and it's right. it's very interesting like to look at the data to think about that Yeah. And understand like what's going
1: on. Where do you come down on that, Nick? Because I know this is a constant sort of debate. You know, it's a tension that I think is healthy for the company trying to maintain a really high, you know, a a repository of really high quality answers, but also making people feel welcome and, you know, trying to give them feedback that helps them get, you know, to a question and an answer, which is satisfactory, not, you know, closed or downvoted. So what do you think? Where do you come down on that? Having looked at the data a little, that brigade of people, are they, are they helping?
0: It's a... I think a great, great question, because it's, it's like, it started, I think, from the time when the first question was asked, and will end, never. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I, I think it's very important to have a social contract, first of all. Social contract is like a thing, an agreement between users, how we should behave in different situations. And I think right now, social contract is that we want to adopt all the content for a reader. It might be new, like a beginner in programming. It may be an advanced user in programming. So, we, but it, it doesn't matter who they are. We just adapt all our content on our all our knowledge for reading because you write the question only once. You answer, we write an answer only once, and then you read it many, many, even millions times. So there are a lot of questions that like have I think more than a million page views. So. This is our social contract. And if we communicate this to question askers well, I think they will not upset if their question get closed. And I think we as a community here, not as a company, should do as much as possible here to like, kind of explain our social contract first and to help them adapt to our platform. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the greatest opportunity for us is edits. So like, if one can download, probably they can edit and help them to understand how the questions should be asked on our platform. So I, I think there are a lot of tools that help us kind of mitigate this tension.
1: Yeah, and I think Sarah had mentioned this, but but I'd like to repeat it. Maybe it get your opinion. Do you feel like there's a different, slightly different social contract and slightly different, you know, way of interacting in the Russian version of Stack Overflow, and maybe that's backed up by data than there is in the English language version or the Portuguese version, for example.
0: Yeah. Great question. Yeah, I'm really part of Stackerflow in Russian more than Stackerflow in English. So I cannot say for like in general, but people say that we are kind of welcomer on Stackerflow in Russian than on English version. So but again, it's a very uh, culture thing.
2: Yeah, why do you think uh, why do you think folks are more welcoming?
0: Uh, let me explain in a few words. It's all about culture. I think in mm. Russian culture, respect that people cast to other means more. So people want to be more respected than in the U.S. It doesn't mean that people don't like res- to be respected, but the respect itself means different for people in the U.S. People know that, hey, we are all the same. In Russia, I think this social ladder way bigger. So it means that people wanted to see that people around them do respect them. So, and this is the key. And because of that, from the day one, we set up the rules that we sh- have to respect others. We set up a tone on our website, and actually we, we formulated in this way that you one uh, should use language on the website which they usually use in a university. Like, for example, mm-hmm. when you come to your professor and ask something or like help your fellow students in the, in front of your professor. You should use this exact same language and about chat we said like okay after their your lecture you go somewhere to relax maybe just to smoke or to a cafeteria what kind of language do you use with your fellow students and professors in front of a professor even in cafeteria this is the language that you should use on chat and i think that helps a lot so we kind of maintain this level of respect on the site, but again, it's, it's culture. So it was not that everyone like you know more welcome. It's it's something necessary to maintain this atmosphere like of learning and teaching others.
1: So it's that time of the episode. It's going to Alexander Kavalenka. How to use date picker dialog in Kotlin. This was awarded uh, recently, and the question is three years and two months old and had been viewed 40,000 times. So wow. quite the resource. Ooh. Great yes, job. Yes, awarded one hour ago. So fresh, hot off the presses. I'm Ben Popper, director of content here at Stack Overflow, and you can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper.
2: Uh, and I'm Sarah Chips, uh, director of community here at Stack Overflow. You can find me voting at IWillVote.com. <laughs> Everyone, please
1: go vote. Awesome.
0: I'm Nicholas Chabanovsky. You can find me on stickerflow in Russian. Yeah. <laughs> Ask your question and I will probably help you.
1: All right, everybody. Thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it, Nick. Bye, everybody.